0: Welcome to Grace and Glory Audio featuring Pastor P.G. Matthew, Bible teacher and pastor of Grace Valley Christian Center, located in Davis, California. Today, Pastor Matthew preaches a special Christmas message entitled, Jesus Christ, God Incarnate. If you have your Bible with you, please turn to the Gospel of John, Chapter 1. Now, here's our teacher, Pastor P.G. Matthew. Let us pray, Heavenly Father. We thank you for granting us an everlasting present in your Son, Jesus Christ, our Lord, and in whom we receive everything we need. Out of his fullness we receive one grace after another. And this grace is sufficient for us. Open our hearts, O Lord, to hear your word this morning. May your word fall upon good soil. That it may bring forth fruit. Fruit that will remain. In Jesus' name, Amen. Jesus Christ, God incarnate. Rabbi Ben Sira asked this question centuries ago. Who could describe God? Philosopher Plato told his students it may be that someday there will come forth from God a word, a Logos, who will reveal all mysteries. And make everything plain. And of course Bible. Discloses to us. The one who will. Reveal to us. All things. He is Jesus Christ. Our Lord. Jesus Christ is God incarnate. John the evangelist tells us. No one has. Ever seen God. God. But God, the only begotten, who is at the Father's bosom, has made him known. Jesus Christ himself said, No one has seen the Father except the one who is from God. Anyone who has seen me has seen the Father. Apostle Paul said, For God who said, Let light shine out of darkness. Made his light shine in our hearts to give us the light of the knowledge of the glory of God in the face of Jesus Christ. Isaiah's prophecy has been fulfilled. To us a child is born, to us a son is given. He is Emmanuel. He is God with us. He has revealed God to us. We therefore are a very blessed people. J.I. Packer is right. The greatest mystery is not the resurrection or the miracles of Jesus. It is the mystery of the blessed incarnation. Plurality of persons in the unity of the Godhead. And the union of Godhead and manhood in the person of Jesus. God became man. Almighty became a helpless baby in the womb of Mary. The only begotten eternal son was born a baby in need Of all loving care. J.I. Packer in his book. Knowing God says this. But once the incarnation is grasped. As a reality. Other difficulties will dissolve. And I want to say to you three things this morning. The word. The flesh. And the grace. The word in eternity. The flesh in time and for eternity. And grace for us now and forever. The eternal word. The evangelist John in his prologue to the gospel. Declares several things concerning the logos. The eternal word. First, in the beginning was the Word. According to the Old Testament, the Word was God's self-expression. The Word was the agent of creation, revelation, salvation, and judgment. The Word of God is God at work. The psalmist says in Psalm 33 and verse 6, by the word of the Lord, where the heavens made their starry hosts by the breath of his mouth. 107, the psalm tells us, he sent forth his word and healed them. Genesis 1 tells us, and God said, let there be light, and there was light. The Jewish people would understand the word as God's personal agent. The Greeks understood logos as Heraclitus understood it. Logos was the mind of God, the controlling principle that gives order. To this world and all men. John tells us the word existed in the beginning. Here in the beginning means in eternity. The word had no beginning. The word existed from eternity. Through our word we reveal ourselves to others. Even so, God reveals himself to creation through his personal word. God is not to be thought of as aloof and indifferent to us. He delights to reveal himself to us through the personal agency of his eternal word. Secondly, the Word was with God. This speaks of the personality of the Word, as well as the Word's distinction from the Father. It also speaks of the Word's closest association with the Father. From all eternity, the Word existed as a person in the closest association with God and partaking of the essence of God. He exists in eternal, intimate, personal fellowship with the Father. We are told in verse 18 He was in the bosom of the Father. So He prays in the 17th chapter and verse 5 Father, glorify me in your presence with the glory I had with you before the world began. Next, the Word was God. The Word was not just divine. John declares the Word was deity. Many scriptures tell us That Jesus Christ was God himself. Look at verse 18. In NIV. No one has ever seen God. But God the one and only. Speaking about the deity of Jesus Christ. And the 20th chapter of John. Let us listen to the confession of Thomas Thomas said to him My Lord and my God Or turn with me to the book of Colossians There are many passages But Colossians chapter 2 And verse 9 For in Christ All the fullness of the deity Lives in bodily form the helpless baby, born outside a hotel in Bethlehem, in a manger, whom the poor shepherds worshipped, was God himself. He was deity wrapped in human flesh. The words and deeds of Jesus Christ, therefore, are the words and deeds of God Himself. Before John the Baptist, before Isaiah, before Abraham was, he was eternally existing. Jesus Christ is not a creature, as Arius and Jehovah's Witnesses tell us. John tells us Jesus Christ was God himself. This is a staggering affirmation for John because John was a Jew, a strong monotheist. Yet he boldly affirms the deity of Jesus Christ. The Word is God, even as God the Father is God. To see Jesus Christ is to see the invisible God the Father. Therefore, man must repent, believe, love, and worship Jesus Christ, who is God with us. Next, John tells us, all things were made through Him. Father created all things through the personal agency of the Word. I say all things. Visible, invisible, things in heaven, things on earth. And we are told without Him, not even one thing was made. He upholds all creation. He is not part of creation. All things hold together because of Him. All things are created by and for Him. He sustains all things. Including all the wicked beings. He is heir of all things. Creation reveals God. His invisible qualities of omnipotence and divine nature. Saint Paul tells us. All creation is due to the word's direct action. Not the action of some inferior divine Emanation. The Word created the world ex nihilo out of nothing. Therefore, matter is not essentially evil and creation is not eternal. Creation depends on Christ for its existence every moment. You and I now breathe. Because of Jesus Christ. Right now you and I are sustained by Jesus Christ. Next we are told in verse 4. In him was life. All physical life in creation is due to Jesus Christ. Jesus Christ has life in himself. Even as the father has life in himself. He is life and He gives life to creation. Therefore, there is DNA and RNA digital code. There is intelligent design. And from this gospel, we understand the designer is none other than Jesus Christ, the eternal Word, the true origin of life for creation. He is not in chemicals, but in Christ. He is also eternal life. He said he is the resurrection and the life. And he gives eternal life. He came to give life, abundant life. There is no other who is life and who can give life. Next. The life was the light of men. The word is life. He is also light. And gives life, light to men. To every man. He gives indirect light to men in creation. And you read Romans 1, 18 through 23. He gives indirect light to... To men. Through man's conscience. And he gives direct light. In the sacred scriptures. And he gives personal light. To us in his incarnational life. Let me tell you. There is no light. Apart from the eternal word. Jesus Christ our Lord. All truth Radiates from Jesus Christ alone. We are told that this light shines continuously in darkness, moral evil. Let me say, science is possible because of Jesus Christ. All knowledge is possible because of this eternal word. Specifically, he reveals to us then who God is, the true and living God. What is man? What is sin? What is atonement? What is hell? What is heaven? What is the way of salvation? He light, and he enlightens every man. Therefore, every man is without excuse. He is the light. He is the true light. He is the ultimate revelation. One must therefore receive this light or reject this light. Turn with me to John 3, beginning with verse 19. This is the verdict, the judgment. Light has come into the world. But men loved darkness instead of light because their deeds were evil. Now let's turn to Second Corinthians chapter 4 and beginning with verse 4. For the God of this age has blinded, blinded the minds of unbelievers so that they cannot see the light. Of the gospel. Of the glory of Christ. Who is the image of God. And verse 6. For God who said. Let light shine of darkness. Made his light shine. In our hearts. To give us the light. Of the knowledge of the glory. Of God. In the face of Jesus Christ. Let's praise God. Amen. The second point is. Flesh The word became flesh Verse 14 The word became flesh God's final disclosure Is Jesus Christ The word became and enfleshed John does not simply say The word became man Or he took a body He says and the word became flesh He puts it crudely and he does so to deal with the docetic heresy that was in the air at that time. There were people who believed that all matter was evil, so word could not come into contact with flesh, which is matter, which is evil. So according to these people... Jesus Christ only appeared to be a man, but he was not in reality a man. But John tells us the Word became flesh. The baby in the manger is God incarnate. He did not cease to be deity. He took upon himself human nature without sin. He could be tempted. He had to grow up. He had to learn. He had to suffer and he died. Let's listen to the Chalcedon Creed. And let me read to you part of it. Begotten before all ages of the Father according to the Godhead. And in these latter days, for us and for our salvation. Born of the Virgin Mary, the mother of God, according to the manhood. One and the same Christ, Son, Lord, Only Begotten, to be acknowledged in two natures, inconfusably, unchangeably, indivisibly, inseparably, the distinction of natures being by no means taken away by the union but rather the property of each nature being preserved and concurring in one person and one subsistence, not part or divided into two persons, but one and the same Son and only begotten God, the Word, the Lord Jesus Christ, as prophets from the beginning have declared concerning Him, and the Lord Jesus Christ Himself has taught us, and the creed of the Holy Fathers has handed down to us the word became flesh Jesus was enfleshed and he was born in Bethlehem for the purpose that he may go to Calvary we therefore must ask why did the word become flesh Well, because all have sinned and come short of the glory of God. Because wages of sin is death. Because the sinful man cannot pay the penalty. We cannot ransom ourselves, redeem ourselves. So God became man in Jesus Christ to fully obey the law. By his obedient life and by his obedient death. He obeyed in our place, and as our representative, and as our substitute, and as our mediator. Turn with me to the book of Hebrews, and let's listen to the writer to the Hebrews, what he is telling us about this enfleshment of the word. Hebrews 2, beginning with verse 14 Since the children have flesh and blood, he too shared in their humanity so that by his death he might destroy him who holds the power of death, that is, the devil, and free those who all their lives were held in slavery by their fear of death. By his death he destroyed death for us And has granted us life everlasting. Let's praise the Lord. And the writer to the Hebrews tells us in Hebrews chapter 10, beginning with verse 5 sacrifice and offering. You did not desire but a body. You prepared for me with burnt offerings and sin offerings. You were not pleased. Then I said, here I am. It is written about me in this scroll. I have come to do your will. O God. Will to obey him. Even unto death. And the death of a criminal. Death on the cross. For our salvation. Turn with me to first John, and there he tells us the purpose of his coming. Chapter two, first John verse two. He is the atoning sacrifice for our sins, and not only for ours, but also for the whole world. First John chapter four verse ten. This is love that we not that we loved God, but he loved us and sent his Son as an atoning sacrifice for our sins. God became flesh that he may die, offer himself as the one and only sufficient, acceptable, perfect sacrifice for our sins on the cross. And St. Paul tells us. Jesus Christ was delivered over to death for our sins and was raised to life for our justification. John tells us, God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son that is in death. That whosoever believes on him should not perish, but have everlasting life. The word became flesh so that in his flesh. In his perfect humanity. He may suffer and die. To redeem us. As our kinsman redeemer. He paid it all. All to him we owe. Third. Grace we received. Grace we are told. We received grace. Verse 16. Of chapter 1. In the prologue. The word became flesh. God became man. He came from heaven into his world. But we are told the world he created did not recognize him, did not love him, did not believe him, did not submit to him, did not worship him. The world rejected him. But what about his own home to which he came? John uses that language. He came to his own home. His own nation, Israel, but his own people did not welcome him. They also rejected him. As a nation, Israel rejected him, called him a Samaritan, a drunkard, an illegitimate son, a Beelzebub, a blasphemer. They refused, as a nation, to believe his words or deeds. They arrested him and handed him over to the Gentiles to be crucified. But that was not the whole story. If that were the whole story, incarnation was a failure. And God failed in his attempt to save his people. But incarnation was not a defeat. It was a success. The light shines in darkness And the darkness overcame it not The moral darkness did not overcome the light of Christ Let me tell you though The vast majority of people hate Jesus Christ Some Loves him trust him Obeys him Adores him Worship him Follow him Are saved by him. So take a look at verse 12. Yet all who received him. Some welcomed him. As God man. As savior. As life. As light. As their atonement. As their redeemer. Verse 12. Some believed him. They heard him. They believed him. They entrusted themselves to him. They repented and confessed their sins. They called him Lord and God. They became disciples. They became his witnesses. They even died for their faith. Stephen, James, Peter, Paul, and a multitude of martyrs in the history of the church. We are told that these were given rights to become children of God. Verse 12. As children of God they enjoyed salvation and full fellowship with God as children. They became heirs of God. As children they were protected, provided for, guided, kept. They experienced the miracle of new birth. Verse 13. Born of God born of God. Natural descent, desire of the flesh, desire of the husband does not mean a thing. What matters is, are you born from God? Has God placed into you the divine life in your soul as a result of God becoming flesh in Jesus Christ? A divine, supernatural, mysterious, unilateral work of God. And not only that, we are told, some beheld His glory as He tabernacled among men in this human flesh. In other words, some saw with their physical eyes God's glory in the face of Jesus Christ. In his words, in his deeds, in his transfiguration, in his sufferings, in his resurrection, in his ascension. And Thomas confesses, my Lord and my God. And these people saw him as the exegete, verse 18, of the invisible God. Our word exegesis and exegete comes from that particular verb you find. In other words, Jesus Christ explains, reveals, exegetes God the Father. Many people didn't see anything in him, but some, the elect of God, saw him as the one who explains. God to us. He's qualified to do so because He was eternally with God. The Word who was in the bosom of the Father explained the Father to Him. Now we know the Father through the Son. In Jesus, these people realize that the Father loves them. And send the Son, His one and only Son, that He did not spare Him, but send Him to death to save us by His death. They realize that the Father is full of compassion. Father of compassion. Father of comfort. Father of mercies. That the Father is gracious. That the Father is eager to forgive our sins. Then we are told. That they received grace upon grace. Verse 16. They received grace to believe. And grace to live. Every moment of our life. Now and forevermore. They realize Jesus Christ is full of grace and truth. They realize Jesus Christ is an ocean of loving kindness for them. They realize the word became flesh to accomplish their redemption so that they can live by his grace forever. Let me tell you we need grace. Grace is unmerited favor. We need a life who merited death. We need heaven, who merited hell. We needed justification, who merited condemnation. We needed reconciliation, who merited being cast away. The word became flesh. So we receive what we need. Grace. Nothing more we need. My grace is sufficient for you, Paul. Let's turn to Second Corinthians. Let me read to you a few verses that will explain to you the purpose of the Incarnation. And that is for grace. 2 Corinthians 8 and verse 9, a profound verse. For you know the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ, that though He was rich, eternally God... Yet for your sakes he became poor. as the incarnation of life. So that through his poverty. You might become rich. That's what I said the other day. I'm a rich person. I was rich before I came here. Rich by grace. That flowed to me abundantly. Through Jesus Christ. God's Son who became flesh and died in my place on the cross and 2nd Corinthians 9 and verse 8 listen to this and God is able to make all grace abound to you so that in all things at all times having all that you need you will abound to all good work grace and turn with me to the book of Revelation chapter 3 and verse 20 speak the Lord Jesus Christ the resurrected Christ speaking to this Laodicean church described here as poor naked, blind pitiful, wretched who pretended that they had need of nothing and here in verse 20 listen to the language here I am I stand at the door and knock You are poor, you are wretched, you are miserable, you are blind, you are pitiable. But I have everything that you need, grace. Of His fullness we received one grace After another grace, after another grace, after another grace, wave after wave of grace, sufficient is coming to you and me in Jesus Christ. So here is a Christmas present. God in Jesus Christ desires to be present in your life. And in Him we find everything. God in Jesus Christ desires to be present in your life. To forgive your sins. To bless you with eternal life. And to guide you to heaven. We are poor sinners. But he became poor that we might become rich. Through his poverty. Let me ask you. Yes the world. Did not recognize him. His own people. Did not believe in him. But that was not the whole story. Some did recognize. Some did believe. Some did love him. Some did worship him. Have you believed in him? Have you received him as Lord and Savior? Have you seen his glory? Have you received grace that he brings? Grace comes from a word that is related to joy. Grace is that which causes one to rejoice. Grace removes all gloom and misery and guilt. And causes you to leap for joy. That you rejoice even in tribulations also. Jesus has brought from heaven grace for you. And let me tell you, Jesus is all we need. Heavenly Father, we pray to receive your gift of Jesus Christ. And in and through him, may your people receive grace sufficient. This we pray in his name. Amen. You have been listening to Grace and Glory Audio featuring Pastor P.G. Matthew. Join us next week for more transforming Bible teaching.